This is Kai Eo with Compass Hawaii. You're listening to the Real Talk podcast. What's going on, guys? Thanks for always listening to the Real Talk podcast. I am in the lovely state of Hawaii. First time as a, an adult, actually. I've been here once as a child with my family. Uh, but the reason I'm here, I'll go in with a little bit. Uh, but first, I spent a few days in the, in the uh, city and around Honolulu. Uh, I believe they call it Oahu. Uh, sorry, I'm total, total novice in Hawaii, but I, they call it Oahu. So I was in Oahu for a couple of days. Giving a shout out to my uh, buddies, Andres and Lauren Gaeta, who showed us a great time around town. We surfed, we walked around uh, one of his new construction sites. He uh, is a builder of uh, luxury homes uh, on that island. Uh, and we also hit up some of the local uh, oceanfront parks uh, that were, uh, from a New Yorker, is uh, quite interesting and uh, breathtaking. Uh, Andreas is a childhood friend of mine, and uh, he's built some homes. Uh, probably for the better part of uh, this de- this decade, uh, he's built some beautiful homes on that island, including some iconic figures that we all uh, have heard of or know, but I cannot disclose on this podcast. Uh, at one point, I'd like to have him on the pod uh, to discuss uh, his construction background and some of the projects that he's worked on uh, in the future. Fast track to the last few days, I'm in Hawaii for my brother's wedding. Uh, him and his wife live in Tokyo along with a few of my other family members. So Hawaii uh, became kind of the natural middle point uh, between the rest of my family located in between New York City, LA, and Washington, DC. But today, I'm on the big island of Hawaii, uh, which is on the stretch of uh, Kaiula Kona. It's a smaller town on the west coast of the big island where we have our Compass flagship office. We're recording this pod just a day after Columbus Day, which in Hawaii is also called now, I didn't know this, called Discover's, Discover's Day. Discover's Day is honoring the state's Polynesian founders uh, back in 1971. The Hawaiian Islands were first settled around 1,500 years ago by Polynesians from the Marquis Islands, about 2,000 miles away. Uh, and they found these islands apparently via canoes. And, and uh, I was on the boat the other day uh, fishing for marlin. We didn't catch anything. But uh, just thinking about finding an island on a canoe uh, 2,000 miles away. I mean, you know, humans are soft these days. Uh, just couldn't, couldn't even imagine that uh, to be uh, actually happening. But in any event, an interesting real estate fact about this island, Kim, King Kamehameha, who united the three islands in the early 1900s, founded a system that would divide the land into thirds. One third of the Hawaiian, uh, one third of the Hawaiian real estate would go to the crown lands. One third of the lands would go to the chiefs. And then one third would go to the people. In the end, the people received, unfortunately, less than 1% of the land offered as the law required the land claims to be filed within two years. Seems like a lot of time to file your claim of land ownership. In any event, many Hawaiians made no claim at all. This was largely because ownership of the land was not, co- not a common concept at the time. So uh, seems like, you know, this is my, my, my home is, is your home. Uh, Mikasa, Tukasa, uh, not sure the, you know, what the reasonings behind why people didn't claim their land when the kings wanted the land. Uh, it's kind of an interesting uh, concept. Uh, but anyways, today I'm, pl- I'm, pl- I'm pleased to have Daisuke Kai, Io, uh, we call him Kai, uh, on the Real Talk pod here, podcast here on the Big Island of Hawaii. Kai is a top broker on the Big Island, ranked among the top 16 real estate agents in the state of Hawaii in 2021, and the top 1.5% of 1.4 million, or 1.4 million real estate agents in the United States in 2021 and 2022 by the Wall Street Journal Real Trends Ranking. Real, uh, since 2015, uh, Hawaii MLS has ranked Kai in the top 25 of all Hawaii Big Island real estate agents. Kai recorded the highest residential transaction in Big Island history at $37 million in 2020 the highest residential tra- transaction sale in the state of Hawaii for that year. He was also involved in a $133 million, $133 million residential transaction in the state of California. So, well, we can talk about Kai's success all day, but uh, since many of us are listeners on the East Coast, 
uh, and throughout Compass. Uh, may not be totally familiar with the geographical differences between the islands of, of Hawaii, so we'll let Kai explain that uh, a little bit later in the podcast. Kai, welcome. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thank you for coming. Uh, thank you for your time. I much appreciate it. Let's get started. Just so our listeners know who you are, let's get started on a few quick header questions so that the audience can uh, get to know Hawaii and get to know you a little better. So right. first, I'm going to go off and shoot off a couple questions, a couple words. Uh, please answer them. Uh, you know, maybe you know the first word that comes up in your head. You know, maybe one to two words. Um, you know, we're flexible. Okay. Got so it. the first word is Big Island. Uh, unpretentious. Non-pretentious. Non-pretentious. Oahu. Fun place. Fun place. Airbnb. Good money. Zillow. Uh, not so trustworthy. Okay. MLS. Data. Real estate technology. Real estate technology. Compass. North Kona Big Island. Luxury. Diamond Head. Never, never been there yet. Never been on. Isn't that Honolulu? Yeah, I know, but I never trekked yet. So that's <laughs> I need to do it with my daughter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, volcanic eruptions. Beautiful. Next, my next one. Honolulu. Well, uh, friendly, fun place. My daughter goes to school there. So. And Maui. Uh, fashionable. Fashionable. Okay. So you know, I just want to, let's. Give me a, a quick deep dive into the islands of Hawaii. Uh, I looked online, some people think there's, it's three major islands, some people say there's six major islands, some people say there's eight major islands. Give us the geographical uh, key differences in each island and you know, maybe in the simplest terms that the East Coast people can understand or the, even some of the West Coast people can understand. Sure thing. <laughs> you know, so I thought about this question, you know, and, uh, and it's really, there's so many ways to kind of dissect Hawaii. And one of the things I thought it would be very interesting was like, did you know that islands are positioned in order of age, age, you know, when it was born. So the Kauai is the most northwesterly and it's five million years old, right? And Big Island is on most east, uh, where the youngest was only 700,000 years old. Oh. So, you know, there's a hot spot right next to Big Island, and uh, it just the plate is moving towards Japan, uh, northwesterly, about four inches a year. What's a hot spot? Is so that like a magma? That's where the magma comes out from oh. the ocean, ocean seafloor, oh, and, okay. and it creates a volcanic island. That's how all the Hawaii islands were made and it can submerge, you know, erodes, and the islands get smaller. So another way to look at it is that as the island goes towards Japan, the island gets smaller. So Kauai right. is the smallest. Then so Kauai, Kauai is slowly becoming a Japanese territory. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of submerged somehow. It'll take a couple yeah. thousand years, it might submerge. <laughs> yeah. But basically the tectonic shift is in that area. That's right. Smooth. So Kauai, then Oahu, okay. and then Maui, and of course we have a, a Lanai, and Molokai in between small islands. So say the list again, it's Kauai. Ko it's Kauai. Kauai. Oahu. Oahu. Uh, Molokai. Molokai. Lanai. Lanai. Maui. Maui. And Hawaii. Big Island. Big Island. So, so big we call island it Big Island. is the youngest at 700,000 years. That's right. And then the Kauai is the oldest at how many years? Five million. Five million years. years. Which of the and I just drove around the Big Island. It's mostly volcanic. That's right. It's kind of, I mean, it, it's beautiful and scary at the same time. What is Kauai? This is the same. Is it also all magma and volcano? And so we're all volcanic island. That's that's for sure. But if you go to Kauai, uh, it's lush, green. That's where the um, uh, Jurassic, Jurassic Park, Park was, was, was filmed, right. right? So you can kind of see the five million <laughs> year of history there, right? You land in Kona. Uh, actually, if you go to um, uh, on the Puna side, that the, we had 2018 uh, volcanic eruption actually uh, created a new landmass. So that's almost like only two years old. And if you go to Kauai, that's five million years ago. So you can kind of see just by island hopping, you can see the history 
and uh, you, you definitely will see the difference between islands. So it's, it's really interesting. If you don't go to Kauai, you're not going to see any rock walls because there's no more vo volcano there. Mm -hmm. uh, it rains a lot. And if you go to Kona, if you come to Kona, you see a lot of uh, rock walls. Uh, so more expensive the homes that you see more rock walls. So it's, it's really interesting uh, how the island differs, you know. Is it the reason why you can see all the volcanoes still on the big island because it's only, what was it, 7,000 years old? So 700,000 years. So actually, 700, there's, a, there's, an, there's another old. island forming right next to Big Island right now. Oh. It's 3,000 feet underwater right now. Okay. And it will come up, who knows, in 10,000 to right, 100,000. feet a year? It all depends. <laughs> it depends on, on the activity of the magma. Yeah. But there's already an island called Loihi that's forming right next to Big Island. Okay. So when you think about it, you know, it's, it's really interesting that, that we're li I'm, living, I'm living on the island that's, that's still growing and still alive. Right. So. If a New Yorker were to visit Hawaii for the first time, the state, which island is a must visit? Well, of course, I like to say Big Island, but I love all the islands. And we definitely have fans for each island, right? So. Um, it seems like the people from Bay Area loves Big Island most, so in Kona in particular. And we see a lot of people from LA go to uh, Maui. And we see uh, celebrities go to Kauai, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and um, other kind of rock stars. Um, Is George, that because it's just George Harrison. smaller? Or? Probably more remote, you yeah. know. Uh, they don't want to walk privacy. around Diamond yeah, that's, that's true. You know, for Japanese, Oahu, Honolulu is a, is a big, Why is big that? part. Because uh, I guess it's uh, convenient, and we kind of joke. I, I'm sure you heard it uh, as a Japanese, right? It's like a, we call Waikiki as Honolulu as the 48th prefecture of Japan, <laughs> right? Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, easy, easy for Japanese, Japanese to... Yeah, all, yeah. all, the, all the, the signs are Japanese. Yeah, but I was there uh, only a month and a half ago, and, you know, there was no Japanese at all. So oh, yeah? I thought that was, that was really eerie. Yeah, so, but uh, Japan just opened its doors today to foreign tourists. So right. October 11th, today's the day. Actually, right. in Japan is yesterday, but finally all the travelers can go to Japan, right? And uh, with a very strong dollar, everything's about 30 to 40% off. So I suggest anybody listening right now should go to Japan. Hotels are cheap and restaurants are cheap. So it's amazing. Absolutely would recommend going. Yeah. And also go before it gets too crowded. You know, once yeah. maybe China opens up their borders. That's right. Chinese tourists love going to Japan. Yeah. That's every, for sure. every time I've gone to Kyoto or Osaka or any of the temples, it's mostly Chinese. <laughs> the language you hear is mostly Chinese. Yeah, I was there two months ago and it was <laughs> no, amazing. No, was no Chinese. One. It was really quiet. Yeah. I stayed at the suite Conrad Tokyo, that's one of the most expensive the best hotels. It was three hundred bucks wow. for suites yeah. a night. Breakfast included. It yeah. was it was amazing. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so going back to Hawaii again where are some of these luxurious homes located? For example, you mentioned Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, what well, we know, the media knows about Obama, yeah. who was born here, mm -hmm. and I believe he has a house here. Where are these, let's just say, wealthier, big-name celebrities located, and, and why, why do you think they choose these islands? So it's really interesting. Uh, the. Um, Title Guarantee that I work closely with, that's escrow, that's largest escrow company, they always okay. uh, come up with this luxury report. And I also check the MLS. And I kind of uh, see, uh, try to understand the luxury market in Hawaii. So I look all the all islands, and Compass has all offices there. Um, so Kona sells more luxury um, properties than any other area in state of Hawaii. So let me give you uh, like top seven or eight the areas that's probably recognized. Uh, number one is Kona. Uh, it's, we sell about 285 luxury listings. That's above three million since, two, since 2019. Okay. So second is Wailea Makena. Uh, that's the west side of Maui. Uh, they sold 135. Uh, Hanalei in uh, Kauai, Kailua and Oahu. Uh, South Kohala, that's where you stayed in Malalani. That's, oh, that's, yeah. that's fifth. 
fifth in, in the state. Shout out to the Fairmont or Orchard. I'm not sponsored by them, but uh, yeah, phenomenal property. Yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, no. it's not the most expensive hotel either, you know. <laughs> so it's just, just you know, full disclosure. I'm not staying at the most expensive spot, but it's beautiful. No, it's pretty nice. And Koloa, uh, Kauai, Kaka'ako, Oahu, Kalapana. So it's pretty spread out uh, in terms of islands. So I wouldn't say uh, just one spot is, is, is luxury, but Kona definitely leads the, this luxury department in the state of Hawaii. And a lot of people, even agents, don't know about this. But um, we have a Four Seasons, Kukio, private resorts, and this great uh, you know, weather and climate. And that's something that uh, people uh, look to look for. Okay. What, what other, back to my original question, who owns, you know, what are some of the notable names, U.S. or globally, uh, that own homes in Hawaii? Uh, we have, uh, for, for example, like Michael Dell owns oh, okay. the, all the Four Seasons. Okay. And Charles Schwab, he has a private golf course here. And actually, it's, it's kind of semi-private now. It's a private with a friend. Charles now. Schwab? Charles Schwab has one. I'm a client, so you, uh, maybe I oh, should yeah, get an invitation. Too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think many of us are clients. Are we going to get an invitation? OK. Yeah, uh, Mark, Mark Benioff is a big Benioff, one. Benioff, sure. Yeah, Mark Salesforce. Benioff. He's he was an investor actually, of Compass, actually. Yeah. One of the first investors of oh, yeah? Compass. Oh, OK. Yeah, and he's, he was also sponsoring the, uh, the COVID test at the airport for a while, for Kona Airport. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Howard Schultz of uh, Starbucks, sure. um, Rob Walton of uh, Walmart. Walmart. So we have a lot of a financial entrepreneur type and business owners, business owners uh, here on the island. So yeah, that's very interesting. And are they mostly concentrated on on the Big Island here? So you know, for those are the ones that live on the Big Island. I mean, house on the Big Island. Got it. Got and it. and so we have a, the, I think one of the uh, interesting thing about Big Islands is a private resort. So if you're looking for a, some exclusivity and the world-class amenity plus service. Um, that's that's uh, where the private resort comes in uh, to play. Like uh, you said Four Seasons, right? Yeah, Four Seasons. Uh, it's not a hotel, so it's only a member can use a golf course. Yeah. A member can get a service. Got it's, it. It, so uh, it's very special. Got it. Let's go back to some of the quick hitter questions that you mentioned. You, know, you mentioned Zillow uh, is, is maybe not the most honest, maybe slightly deceitful. You know, what are your thoughts on Zillow on this island and how they operate? Well, you know, the Zillow now have an agent that uh, they. Oh, I didn't know. That. Yeah, yeah. Zillow has. A, I think I don't know if they. I don't know if they have office, but they have a agent, and uh, Redfin does also. Sure. And so uh, they still kind of solicit advertising from us. Also, of course, I don't pay them, but um, it's convenient way for consumers to understand the data. Although, they're the data point, and it's not really trustworthy. The way I look at it, uh, it's really off. Right. So you're um, talking about the Zestimate. Yeah, Zestimate, the, their monthly report, all those things. So I think a lot of con consumers used to be in, back in 2008, 9, 10, when Zillow came out. Everybody asked me about the Zestimate, right? That was a big, huge question whenever I go to listing presentations. It's so, it's so sexy and appealing. Yeah, it was great. Actually, for Zillow, not for us, but <laughs> it was uh, great for Zillow. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. And and uh, but now, uh, not many consumers are asking about it. You know, we, we look. I look at it, and uh, and it's not as accurate as they, they tell consumers. And a lot of consumers kind of understands that, so they ask uh, point blankly, say, "Is this a correct you know um, estimate?" And I tell them, you know, I give them a sets of data that I always kind of come up with, you know, and uh, explain how, how uh, for some property it works. But in Hawaii, the subdivision is small, and we have the old homes are unique. Areas are very, very unique here. So you need to understand the, each island's characteristics, each area's characteristics, and how the sales are going. So it's very important, it's very local here. So uh, it's very hard for uh, Zillow or Redfin to do well here, I think. You can automate a value of your home, and especially in an, on an island like Hawaii, via algorithm, when, I don't know, just as a novice of myself, the mountain, it, the homes are on a mountainside, so every block has a different view of the ocean. That's right. It seems like you go up the hill and the climate is different That's right. than where I am at the resort. It, it's, uh, how do you put that into a computer? You, I think it's, it's the algorithm just cannot keep up with 
the especially you know some of these homes that are just so drastically different from block to block on in a place like Hawaii. Now I get it. If you're in in the suburbs of Chicago mm -hmm. where the land is flat right. and now spec homes were developed, 500 spec homes were developed by one developer, and every home is 3,000 square feet, three bed, two baths, same finishes, mass produced, uh, you know, finishes, prefab wood floors, like those are probably a little bit easier to automate. But in Hawaii, that's right. I don't know how that's possible. Right. We have a we have 14 climates in the world. We have 10 climates on this island, right? <laughs> 10 climates and on this we, have, we have snow you in the summer. Get snow here. We get yes, snow. Yes, my here. friend Andreas, he said he went snowboarding once. That's right. We can ski. Uh, <laughs> so we can snowboard. My goal, my daughter goes up and do a snowball fight. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's very dynamic. Yeah, it's 10 climates. 10 climates. That's phenomenal. Ten, yeah, 10 okay. climates. On Including that. Uh, what volcanic eruptions? Is that a climate? Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's, I don't think so, but, but, you know, it's like we have a tundra and all, all kinds of, um, uh, very different climate sure. that's very active, sure. you know. Uh, I, I can totally tell. Uh, one question before we dive into, you know, yourself and the markets, the, the area where I'm staying at, which is by the ocean, mm -hmm. it's very, I guess, sea level, the, the vegetation looks very lush. Is that just because it's been watered? Or is it just because it's like a special part of the land? So where you stayed in Malolani, that's, that's a resort yeah. uh, originally developed by Japanese corporation Tokyo. Oh, yeah, Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, so we have a, you know, that's, that's sort of a little bit of artificial because uh, it's a barren lava field where, where, like yeah, where a um, uh, big developer came in yeah. and they created this uh, two uh, luxury hotels and two golf courses and around that all condos. So, uh, but uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's artificial, but uh, but it was it was man-made. Got it. Yeah, understood. So. Okay. Now, as far as my last last question about this the geographical location, the the higher end properties in on this island are they more towards the ocean front, or would they be more higher up where you see a view of the entire ocean? So um, I think the ocean front always have. Uh, Premium because Premium. because the um, that's the Fifth Avenue Gold Coast. Yeah, that's like an island. We're on an island, just like in Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. So there always the, there's limited supply of ocean front, especially with the environmental uh, limitations. Uh, that the state of Hawaii is very very uh, tough on development these days. Right. So I don't I don't foresee any big uh, ocean front project to come on this island so the anymore. The inventory is limited. Yeah. So, sure. so most of the homes, the um, that's probably the most expensive home will be on the ocean front for sure. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I was looking at a. I was at dinner with my family at Tommy Bahama, mm -hmm. a restaurant. I thought it was a clothing store, but I didn't know there was, there was yeah, a restaurant. Yeah, restaurant. Yeah. And next to the restaurant was a real estate agency uh, that I shall not name, not Compass, but the. The homes are all between, you know, one to three, one to four million dollar homes, and and it seemed like everything was sold. It seems like that part of the luxury market, the one to four, maybe one to five million dollar home, is very tight right now. Maybe yes. there's not a lot of inventory. Um, is, is that is that a right notion? Is that the right kind of pre-notion? Yes. So all Hawaii price point has gone up about 50%. Right. Single-family uh, entry prices is a over a million. So yeah. in Oahu, it's, like it's Vail, a million. It's like Vail, Colorado. <laughs> yeah, though in Kona right now, uh, it's a little over one million. One million six, sixty, yeah, one million zero six is uh, 1. the... 1.06. Oh, starting price for yeah. a single-family home. Oahu is one million. And it's probably not the most renovated home either. Right? Yeah, well, you one. know, one million is just a... I wouldn't say starter home, but it, it's very normal. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it used to be uh, 700, uh, oh. right? So I think the appreciation within last uh, two years been 57% uh, average in Hawaii, state of Hawaii. The, so the lowest appreciation was, as, as we can imagine, was kind of actually Oahu, because a lot of people didn't want to go to city. To city. So neighbor islands, uh, Big Island, uh, Maui, Kauai, those had the biggest appreciation in the last uh, two and a half years. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, the, the valuation of these homes are very interesting to, to follow just because it seems like, I like to compare it to Vail, Colorado, just because I go there so often, and it is also a very heavy investor uh, town, second home town, second mm -hmm. home vacation mm -hmm. town, also very much like the Hamptons also. There is a varying degree of 
single-family homes that locals have owned for generations and generations, and then you have the new money coming in, maybe Wall Street, whether it's tech money or Wall Street money, and then those homes are significantly nicer and newer and more renovated, uh, which I'm sure the locals are not the biggest fan of, but also it's helping their homes appreciate in value, maybe in some ways almost tenfold. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. So I think the the affordability is a is a big issue, issue for for us. Uh, I've lived in on the island for 21 years, right? My my daughters both born and raised here. Like you said, the I I wouldn't say tenfold, but maybe in in 20 years, the house, even my house, has probably four times more than what what, it, what it used to be when I when I originally bought it. I see. So it it is a tough tough climate for locals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for sure. Imagine. All right, we'll switch gears. I want to go, kind of get into more of you know what you are, who you know, your background, and also a little bit about the, the real estate market and your accomplishments here. You know, you're originally from Japan, correct? Uh, yes. There? Yes and no. Yeah. So I was born in Illinois, actually. Oh, okay. So you're a U.S. citizen. Uh, but my parents are both from Japan, so I moved around a lot. Every three years, I moved. So I lived in New York for eight years. Okay. Uh, lived in Tokyo. Uh, went to college and graduate school in Tokyo, Ko. Okay and moved here 21 years ago. I went to high school in St. Louis, Missouri. I see, so, so you were always bilingual and all. That's, that's difficult, I mean, the, the high schools in Japan are no joke, it's, it's like getting into college in the United States. Yeah, I went to high school in St. Louis, Missouri. So, yeah, so. so the fact yeah, that you actually got from high school to college without going to Japanese high school, yeah. and you went to college in Japan, that must have been a huge jump for you. Actually, it was easy. Oh, yeah. is that right? <laughs> you know, there's a kikokushijo in a yeah. system. That's that's uh, you know that, that's for students who studied abroad. There's a special way to get into university. I see. So you know, Keio was a very nice school. Yeah. But you know, as you know, Japanese university they don't study. They don't push you hard enough. Right. So it's easy to get in. It's it's, it's hard to get in, but easy to get that's, out. That's that's correct. Right. So I think I studied more in high school in St. Louis. I went to prep school. That's I where see. I studied most. I think in graduate school I studied a little bit. Got but, it. Yeah. And why did you, uh, so after grad school, what did you study in grad school in Japan? Uh, I went, yeah, it's kind of, I try not to say this, but political science. Uh -huh. I went to PhD also. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. so didn't get that, but. Uh, oh, you went for the PhD, yeah, but yeah, you, yeah, you yeah, stopped. Was, yeah, it was, yeah. So a lot of things happened, and uh, it's, it's been, life's been kind of interesting. It always kind of pushed me towards unexpected. I never worked for any companies. And I always worked for myself. Sure. I started out with a kind of translation interpreter. Was that your first job out of uh, grad school? Uh, yeah, I was kind of working since I, I was a student. Okay. So I've been kind of always working with the people and making money. And uh, what was, was your first job? I don't have a first job. So huh. I <laughs> always worked like. I always work at 10 things, you know, uh -huh. and I was uh, singing in the bar. Oh, you were singing in a bar? Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, like, uh, I was with a single song writer thing. In Japan? Yeah, in Japan. Um, you know, I did a lot of the, uh, the coordination what for What kind of the, songs were you singing? Well, you know, it's like, it's like a pop rocks thing that- Japanese that, rock? Yeah, Japanese. Uh, like, cover, like cover or for your original? For original. Original. Yeah, oh, it, was, it was actually on the radio when I first moved here because oh, uh, wow. the uh, yeah, local radio station liked it and what it put me on the CD. What was your group name, your music name? Uh, it was just a DNT. DNT? What does yeah. that stand for? That's for my me and my uh, wife. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> All right. So nothing very creative. And, uh, your wife was a singer too? or? Well, we kind of sang a little bit, you know, together. together. Yeah, yes. Phenomenal. Wow. <laughs> no, I, that's a history that I, I don't talk about You don't want to talk about it. I was about to say, you simply sent me a YouTube channel or the YouTube yeah, videos. I, I'm glad it was before that time, you know? <laughs> it was before MySpace. It was before yeah, YouTube. Yeah, it was before that time. Before <laughs> that time. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. So I still, I still, you know, used to make music. I've been so busy with real estate for the past five, seven years, yeah. so. I'm kind of, I used to. So you don't, you don't practice music as much? Not as much. So, and then, so what was your reason for coming out to Hawaii? Well, my, I just love the island. I came here for five days and uh, we realized, <laughs> for five days and uh, we, I, I did, a, I was a translator. I was a, a translator for five surfing magazine because uh, my uh, brother-in-law was a professional bodyboarder at the time, uh -huh. back in 2000. Wow. So I was translating all, they couldn't sell the magazine unless there's a the feature on the U.S. Uh, you know, surfer or so it was a European Japanese magazine, magazine. but, but there's, there's they wanted the Japanese readers wanted to see American that's right. writers, not 
Japanese professional. That's right. That's, that's how they sell, used it's to like, sell magazines, it's right? It's like the NBA, yeah, yeah the yeah. same thing. Right? So I translate those and I, I, I read about Big Island, I translated about Big Island. Oh, yeah. So I thought it was like, hey, what, the, what is the lava field? What is Pele? What is, you know? So I had all those questions. I said, we got to go. So we came and for five days. We stayed at a King Cam Hotel, Marriott now. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we found out uh, my daughter was pregnant. I mean, not my daughter, my wife was pregnant. Sorry, yeah. big, big difference. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and my wife was pregnant. And so we said, okay, let's go to Hawaii because, you know, and just have a, our daughter here. So sure. that's, that's how we just moved. Uh, we, we didn't know anyone. Just Did you continue with the translation? So or? the good thing was the you know the internet just came. It was 2000, yeah. 2001. Sure. So internet uh, emails. So I could take about half of my job to um, to Hawaii. Yeah. You know, so I could do a little work out of uh, home. But I got bored. So you were the first frontier of uh, mobile. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Work from home. <laughs> Actually, mobile work. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe you were the so. First frontier in 2002. You were you were doing remote work before right. any of these tech bros uh, <laughs> during the COVID shutdown of 2020. Yeah, when you think about it, so that's, you're that's 18 true. years ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> now that now that you mention it. I guess. <laughs> remote work. Okay. Yeah. So you were remote working in Hawaii with magazine work, and then you decided to. Come into real estate? Well, I did a lot of things to survive, right? Oh, what so, else did you do? So I, I was a guide at the Kilauea. Uh, you know, What's at the that? time, the lava was flowing. Oh, so you were I'll, a lava I'll, guide? I'll, I'll take a, yeah, I'll take a tourist out to lava, to touch lava, you know. Wow. You could, you could uh, put a stick in there and burn it. And it was kind of actually very, very fun time to be in 2001. Pause. I, I don't think there is one Compass agent. There's, 30, there's more than 30,000 of us that have the knowledge to touch lava on a stick and guide people on how to collect the lava. That's, that's <laughs> phenomenal. Okay, keep going. Yeah, yeah, that, that year, 2001, was, uh, every day the road got shortened because <laughs> lava was, was flowing out. We'd get off the van and there it is. And like shortened by what, like, like 10 feet? The lava, so yeah, every day, it, it just lava kind of flows on the road. Uh -huh. And so every day, it was a good thing that it was on a, a national park so we could access. Uh -huh. 2018, we went to the private land, so we couldn't access the lava flow. Okay. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Then how do you pick up lava? What's the well, what's the technique? That well, actually, you cannot because if you put a stick in it, it's gonna burn instantly. <laughs> if you put uh, if you throw a penny in there, it's gonna burn blue, oh. instantly. Wow. Right. Copper so, turns blue. Yeah, it's like a twelve hundred degrees. Sure. And I've I've melted my shoes twice. Oh. Because uh, you can walk. Actually, you can walk you right over the lava. In no injury. No injury, lucky for me, but, but you know, just uh, as, as soon as lava flows, it, it turns black and you can actually walk on it. Okay. You got to be really but careful. You got to be careful. You yeah. be soft. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it could be. So, <laughs> I'm not walking on that. <laughs> no, but it's, it's really What's, beautiful. But so, how do you pick it up going back to it? Is there a, like a specific well, I, type of battle? You know, the, you, I've never, actually, I've never picked it up because you need a special, you need a gloves. Yeah. And you have to kind of have a real long kind of stick that, that doesn't melt, right? Mm -hmm. Those, uh, uh, I guess, scientists used to yeah. pick up. But it was kind of anarchy back in 2000. It was a chaos, actually, chaos. anarchy. It was chaos back in 2001. There's, nobody knew how to deal with it. Everybody came. I, I was a guide. We could do whatever we wanted. Some people were making art, art from it. And it was, it was a crazy experience that I, uh, it, it lasted for about a year. Okay. Then it kind of died down, so I it got bored. So I, then I got into real estate. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Got it. And your foray into real estate was, was it because you just didn't know what else to do? Was it passion? Was it uh, your well, love for architecture? Was it? Actually, I was really, I guess not, I was not interested in real estate at all at the beginning. You know, I was, uh, I was uh, more of a kind of, you know, hippie type. I was in an environmental thing. You know, I didn't like development. I liked Hawaii, sure. play music. Yeah. You know, those those uh, kind of. I was a vegetarian for a while. Oh yeah. You know, okay. you know those those sure. things, right? Yeah. Then uh, I, the first thing I wanted to do was uh, create an education program for Japanese kids. That's what I kind of first started out in 2001. I worked with Japanese companies to uh, bring kids to Hawaii for summer. And oh. doing a homestay, you know, uh, going to ocean, learn about Marlin, going to Kilauea to learn about lava. Mm -hmm. Then SARS hit, right? Do you remember that SARS, one? That yeah, 2000, sure. I think it was three or yeah. two. SARS, just like COVID, it yeah. hit and everything stopped 
and the travel stop. Travel stopped in May. All everything got canceled. I got about 20, 30 kids lined up to, to come to Hawaii. I got everything yeah, lined they up. They all shut down. So I couldn't do anything. So you're I, the forefront of, of a business shutdown because of a pandemic. <laughs> Before even COVID happens, you're you're a forefront of two things so far. Well, <laughs> remote you know. work and a pandemic shutdown. Well, there's always opportunity, right? So, <laughs> yeah, okay. so I, I figured, um, why don't I take a real estate class uh -huh. just for hell of it? Because I was doing a lot of translation for real estate agents at that time. And okay. so I, I realized I will kind of learn about real estate. And actually, that was probably the m most interesting course I ever took in my life. And okay. uh, everything went smoothly. And uh, I still wasn't interested in real estate, but I, the company picked me up, picked me up and said they wanted to try. And the first week I got a client and the rest is history. So, okay. Yeah. Tell me about your first sale. That was, uh, I still very good friends with them. Uh, they just sold their house and went back to Japan, but uh, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I had no clue, um, but the very veteran, one of the top sale guys said, hey, Kai, you want to make a first sale? I said, yeah, how do I do it? <laughs> and the, the, this, the, this buyer, had about 50% cash and had to get a mortgage. Okay. And it's kind of hard for uh, Japanese to get a mortgage here in Hawaii. Especially if you're not a US citizen. That's right. So I said, you know, hey, Gary, you know, I have a 50% cash. I need to do something about they want this house. There's a little over, over their budget. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll, do, uh, I'll talk to the seller and get you a uh, purchase money mortgage. No worry. We'll what, get in. And what exactly is a so purchase money mortgage is a seller seller financing basically. So oh. seller is carrying the paper. So I said I didn't even know what the purchase market money mortgage was, but that was the first deal. And uh, I think in the retrospect, you know, it's really interesting. I think you made a comment that you don't see many agents in the office. We have about five today. Before, when I my time in 2003, it was a comment that all the agents were here. We all kind of supported each other. We we communicated, and and that was we had a, always had a mentor, like three or four mentors in office that we can talk to, and so, you know, just I guess a different topic, but um, that was now that I think about it, that's that's a very big difference of the, how we do business right. these days. Yeah, between now and then. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes the, the collaboration factor in real estate is irreplaceable is. over a screen. Yeah. And uh, the, the culture of a bullpen uh, cannot be recreated through Zoom that's or right. FaceTime or blue jeans or whatever we use. So yeah. Yeah, that's totally understandable. Let's switch uh, topics just a little bit and kind of want to get uh, a little bit more about the details on you know, some of the deals that you've worked on in the past, uh, some of the transactions that you you've uh, accomplished, you know, I guess first and foremost, during COVID, how was business for you? And tell us about one of the deals that you've, you've completed. You know, the COVID was really, really scary for us. We're, Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're in Hawaii, just like Japan, we're, we're isolated. Uh -huh. So nobody came and uh, nobody got, got out. My mom, uh, my mother, uh, were living together um, and my mother left on the last plane out to Tokyo. Um, wow. So that was, uh, I think, March 26th. That's the day. My, um, so, and it was a good, good uh, choice because she hasn't been back ever since, so two and a half years. Um, it's really hard for Japanese to get in and get out. And I guess any, it was the same for anybody. So we had about 25,000 people daily came to Hawaii each day until then, right? Until March 26th. Yeah. All of a sudden, we had less than 1,000 arriving. I'm surprised it doesn't even arrived. I know. I think most of them are coming <laughs> back to home, I think, from the college kids and stuff. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we had zero. All the hotels shut down. Four Seasons, the Royal Kona Marriott, everything got shut down. Yeah. So you walk on the street, you only see a homeless. That's oh, it. Oh, my goodness. And no tourists. Uh, nobody. So it was, it was scary. Yeah. Then things kind of started to turn uh, around, I think, summer, uh, July, August. We're doing like a FaceTime live open house, and we're trying a lot of things to attract people. And uh, two things happened for me in uh, November, uh, just around Thanksgiving. I sold the 37 million highest sale. Just randomly? What, what is that? How did it, that even come about? It was from Bay Area client. Came. A Bay Area client. Yeah. And, uh, he escaped the pandemic. So he said, so, "Forget the quarantine or forget the shutdown." Yeah, he wanted to move, right? So, and what was interesting? Uh, so we used a Zoom, and we used a FaceTime, and he used a private jet, 
to come here for three hours. Wow. Three, now, just, three hours. Wasn't he supposed to, didn't Hawaii have quite a, yeah. a strict requirement yeah. of testing, quarantining? Yes. So they had, there's no quarantine, but he has to test at the airport again. And I had to get tested to meet him. So sure. we all got tested and we met at the airport. We had three hours to look at the properties. And boom, he just, just bought it. And then he moved back. He moved back. And then, and then he, he flew back. back. And he didn't come until after closing. So that was one thing. So he knew that he told me that Hawaii is going to come back soon. He said a lot of people in mainland, especially in the Silicon Valley area, they are going to move to Hawaii and to places where they can have a privacy and they can work remotely and uh, where, where they like. And another thing happened was the, it was other way around. I had $12 million listing on the market right now, and I sold it in almost the same time. The seller was really, really scared. So I had, on the one hand, I had a buyer who was buying 37 million, was very confident. On the other hand, I had a 12 million dollar seller who was really scared to just get out. He, could, he just could not wait. I was the only one who sold over 10 million that year in Hawaii Four Seasons. Wow. But, so I wasn't quite sure which one to kind of believe in at that point. I was, I was, I was looking. And Do you believe in the scared seller? that is just willing to almost unload it for whatever discount, whatever buyer would come, come about. Yep. He's probably talking to other agents, they're saying, sorry, we're, we're shut down, nobody's coming, we don't have anybody here. And then you have somebody that is itching to yep. get out of San Francisco yep. Yep. because of whatever reason, because it's work from home. Yeah, but at that time, people thought it was kind of crazy to buy 37 million. That's a, that's a, that's a huge figure. And for a lot them. of people commended me for selling the house for, you know, we saw, I, I listed 12 million and sold for 11.5. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people commended me for s selling just it. selling it during the COVID yeah. years, right? You so even just to, to do a transaction in itself. Yeah, but now when you, in retrospect, if if he seller had waited another year or so, mm -hmm. right? But on the buyer, if buyer had waited another year or so, he could not have gotten that. that probably, that you probably would have fork over more money. So I think there's always a timing, and there's always a timing, especially in Hawaii. Kind of for buyers, you have to buy when you think the timing is right instead of the, or the economic thing, because you have to enjoy it while you can. When you have a good health, you have good money, you know, good job, whatever. But uh, there's, there's only a limited time for, you know, life that, that we can enjoy. Right. Time, and uh, like Leonard always says, time is the last luxury. That's right. That's right. right. I would say health is your first luxury, but yeah, time yeah, yeah. is your last luxury. Yeah. Tell me about the buyers that come in typically through these islands. Are they mostly for private, uh, obviously private, are they mostly for second home buyers? Is it a primary residence market? What's the majority that you see? I think our our market is secondary. The, secondary. So yeah, uh, for sure. Which I, is why it's so so active now because of COVID, right? That's right. The same reason why Miami blew up, mm -hmm. the Hamptons blew up. Mm -hmm. The same that's reason right. why uh, certain parts of, of uh, you know, Texas blew up is mm -hmm. Austin, Texas blew up. You know, the, a lot of these homes uh, a lot of these people that lived in core cities like downtown LA, New York City, or even mm -hmm. San Francisco, said, "I don't want to quarantine from, you know, 100, you know, 100, uh, uh, I'm sorry, 1,000 square feet in my apartment. I'd rather quarantine in my 10,000 square foot Hamptons home." Mm -hmm. uh, it's a similar concept from San Francisco to Hawaii. It's, it's they would rather quarantine from their their larger space oceanfront rather than uh, being confined in, a, in, in their high-rise apartment. Um, where do you see the majority of the buyers coming? So for the Big Island, um, you know, the, this is going to, we have a data on this one, but yeah. the majority comes from California and Washington, Seattle area. Seattle. Yeah. Well, California, Washington, Oregon, Colorado, Texas, New York is a, kinda actually a big, big market for okay. um, Hawaii also. Nevada. Um, Why Nevada? I don't know, Florida also. It's Nevada. A lot of people. Florida. Why Florida? It's so far from here. Florida's even further from here. Yeah, but we see a lot of people going to Florida right now. Uh, I, I know, at least I know three families just moved to Florida. Sure, I get yeah. it. And if, you, if you're a New Yorker or Bostonian or, you're, or you live in Boston or you, you live in DC, Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, yeah. I get it. I understand it. Yeah. But if you live in Hawaii, what is the. You know, what do they have that, that Hawaii doesn't have? I think that Except the business, crazy probably business, business and <laughs> business and tax, tax thing. Taxes, yes. Yeah, taxes. Right. But we see a lot of people coming actually from Florida to Hawaii because although it's kind of same, same, they, people think of the same climate. It's, I, I'm, I'm not bad-mouthing Florida, but no, of course. We, we do have better climate. Less tornadoes. Yeah, less tornadoes, you know, less humidity. Sure. Um, 
this is the the climate that everybody everybody wants. It's consistent to be climate too. It is, yeah, it's right? it's amazing. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. And tell me about internationally speaking. I mean, who are some of these international buyers? Like maybe especially in the ultra luxury sector. Are they are they Chinese? Are they from Korea? Or is it Russians? Like, who do you see? Or well, so the you know international in Hawaii, it's mostly Japanese. Yeah. The Japanese are the biggest. And why uh, is that? The 49th prefecture. Why is yeah. That? So I think the the historically the Hawaii is the most popular destination as a tour tourism, right? Yeah. And also Japan because it's only seven hours from Tokyo, and it's a convenience in the climate, and also the uh, like a wow factor that that you you can actually brag that you own Hawaii. Oh. Much more so than you own something in San Francisco. But Japanese people don't really brag. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think if you go to the luxury segment, they kind of <laughs> they like do, to compare their. They compare, yeah. So if you if we talk on the uh, over you know the high end homes, the over three million. Does Masayoshi son uh, own a home out here? I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, he's a he's ex ex the vice president owns a home in Hualalai. I'm sorry, the who? Yeah, ex-vice president. Oh, of, yeah. of the, the SoftBank. SoftBank, yeah. Okay. He, owns, he owns one here. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. so they're, they're out here. Yeah, so, uh, well, you know, the luxury market is uh, the ultra luxury, we call it over 10 million. In New York, you know, we probably have a different price point. But Yeah, no, to 10, five, above five, I would say, is, is still in the ultra, ultra luxury segment. Yeah. You know, so one to five is in the luxury segment. Uh, as for a New Yorker, and a lot of New Yorkers listen to this podcast, what's one or two reasons that you know they should either send their clients here or move here themselves or buy themselves? You know, what are one of the what are some of the top one or two reasons for someone in that East Coast area to to come to Hawaii, even just visit? Well, you know, so I lived in New York for eight years, and mm -hmm. I do a little business. And, and you were in what? Were you in Long Island or were you in Manhattan? I, I was in Westchester. Westchester. I lived in Westchester for That's eight right. years when I was a, when I was a, was a young, mm -hmm. and my sister lives in New Jersey. So right. I know what East Coast is. East Coast is great. I love East Coast. Yeah. Right? And uh, Tuck is actually, you're helping me with the client. Um, you know, That's Dylan right. is now uh, helping, right. helping a little bit. But, um, um, you know, there's always... You know, the each area has the pros and cons. You know? <laughs> yes. So for New Yorkers, uh, it's very different here uh, in Hawaii. But if you like, if you want to look at the climate, and if you want, uh, you know, non-pretentious kind of down-to-earth living um, with the world-class service and amenities, uh, Hawaii is probably very suited. Although it's a little far from New York, right? Sure. But we do have a lot of New York. New York, I have clients in Four Seasons from New York. So we see lots of New York buyers in Hawaii. Got it, got it. And a lot of us are so foreign to the concept of Hawaii that we would think, and at least I thought very naively that all Hawaiian brokers can broker on every island. That's not the case, is it? Well, we can as a license. We, we are <laughs> as all, a license. As a license. I, I, could, I could broker in, in Albany, New York, if I wanted to. But, yeah. yes, but we don't. But we don't. But we don't. Right? We don't. And so, so, you know, how does that work? Do, do we have offices and agents in every uh, island, or, or do you refer them out? Yeah, we have uh, I, you know, offices in all islands, you know, and uh, we have great agents to work with. I have a partner in, in Oahu, Oahu, and in yeah. Maui, and Kauai. And Oahu is uh, where Honolulu, Honolulu is. Honolulu is, right. Okay. So I always, the, the way we write contracts is different, because the, where we need to be careful about, you know, in terms of selling, and transactions are very different. Even Kona and Hilo, the east side and west side of this island, is different, how we write contracts. Right. So I think it, it's, it needs to be very local specific on how to, how to negotiate, how to write. So um, I do help clients buy in uh, Oahu also. Uh, you know, I, I, um, some of the uh, private bankers in Tokyo asked me to handhold the clients to go to Huafu, and okay. I sometimes do that. Um, but I always have someone on the ground to help me out, and we do kind of a 50-50 deal to work, and I'm, yeah, so. How easy or difficult, I don't know, is it to hop between islands? 39 bucks. <laughs> okay, so it's, cheap. it's cheaper than a cab from Williamsburg to the Upper West Side. <laughs> yeah, 30, 39 bucks, 40 minutes to Oahu. <laughs> it's so cheap. Yeah. Okay, and, it, and is a flight fairly frequently? Yes, every every hour. Okay. So right now the Southwest and the Hawaiian are, are battling out with the, the flight. Okay. So I don't know how long that will last, but right now you can fly 39 bucks to Oahu. 
So what, and how long is the flight to Oahu? 40 minutes. 40 minutes. Nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty and good. And the airports are small. You're not That's waiting right. on a long TSA line. I'm assuming. That's correct. So yeah, okay. Uh, just to kind of wrap up here, and I appreciate your time. You know, what's, what are some of the advice that you could give to a younger agent, someone that's maybe newly starting out, uh, some, somebody that is just doesn't know where they're going? You know, real estate is a very, it may seem very collaborative, but it's also a very lonely business mm -hmm. at the same time. You're by yourself. Your peers are obviously your peers, but they're also technically your competitors. You know, yeah. What kind of advice can you give to someone that is just starting out and maybe is just looking for someone that they could potentially look up to, whether it's a mentor, a business mentor or manager, uh, but you know, maybe a, something special that you know that you've experienced firsthand yourself that you've curated your professional career with uh, that you could give and share? Well, you make me feel old that you're asking <laughs> these questions. <laughs> uh, it feels like um, I'm always new. You know, each year we start, you know, you know, from zero, Brand scratch. New. So it's scary, isn't it? You did so well one year, and you're like, can I do just as well yeah, next year? It's it's very that's, scary. That's right. It's a scary yeah. feeling. But for those, I you know, I have a you know, my partner just met Emil. He's, uh, he's one generation younger than I am, and uh, so I think a few things I'll always tell to new agents are like a mindset. Um, you know, you, you never you have to create your own own journey, your own job, your own deal. Uh, you can never um, do that. Ask, and you have to be always positive for clients. Another thing will be prepare, 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 right? So right now, things may be quiet, but next day you may get a call saying, okay, I want to buy a $30 million home. If you are aspiring to do the certain market, like luxury, you have to know the market regardless of if you have a buyer because that's, that's how good agents are. Um, if you start preparing once you have a buyer, you're too late. And another thing will be if you're starting out, find a good broker like, uh, like us. So uh, to team up, team up with a good, Join good, a team. good market, a good broker. A good broker tends to be with a good company like Compass. Is overnight success uh, a thing in real estate? Well, that's what people think. So people think I, I can always retire, right? Because I've sold some big numbers, but it doesn't work like that. So. It's always good to collaborate, work with people, so we don't make as much money as people think, but we make enough that money will go around. Right? Got it. Well, Kai, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I will plug uh, Kai's social media and his email in the show notes. If you have a buyer or a seller and you don't even know what Hawaii really is, you know, go, go, feel free to lean on him for advice, whether it's on this island or any of the other six, seven, or eight islands. Uh, Kyle will be able to help you from the ground up and uh, be able to advise you and consult you on, you know, whether it's yourself or your client's needs in the future. So, Kai, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Tuck. And it's great to see you again. Thank you. And uh, thank you always for listening to the Real Talk podcast. We are out.